On a Monday, it's the People's Show. Vic Nazar and Dominic Shabatti running the show. New intern as well in the house. Intern Evan. Crushing it behind the scenes. Boy, a lot to get into today. Off of the home opener for the Vancouver Canucks, which if you haven't heard, didn't go well. Not just a loss. Uh, the way it was a loss, which is something that we've said a lot so far this season. Uh, broadcasting live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Doing something not different. Uh, we always like it when you're part of the show. Uh, texting in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver and online at DunbarLumber.com. At 3.30, the people show. We're turning it over to you, the people. If you want to call in, 604-280-0650 and 650-650, sound off. Have your dialogue. Have your say. We'll do that coming up at 3.30 and uh, turn the people show over to you. So I've said plenty about the six-game losing streak. I feel like you guys need more of a chance to uh, sound off direction of the team, the start of the season, any players in particular, thoughts. We'll give you more of a runway coming up at 3.30. So again, uh, get those calls in at about 3.20, I would suggest, and Dom will uh, talk to you, get you all prepped up. Make sure you're ready for your close-up. And uh, hang on to the line. We'll get to you at 3.30 uh, coming up then. But as always, look, 6.50, 6.50. You are always part of the show. And it's ugly right now. Everything is under scrutiny. As Zat and I said, like even the songs that are played in the stadium are under scrutiny. It's tense. It is intense. And part of me wants to say... Whew. Everyone just take a breath. Let's calm down. I think there's a lot of emotional scar tissue going on here. But I get it. It's not saying anyone's wrong. Not saying anyone's right. I just get it. It's tough. Now I will say what happens thereafter. Some of the takes and some of the thoughts I've heard and you know, just speaking to a couple of people, what's what's fair and what's not. Some of it feels a little unfair, and perhaps transactions are leading to some of the emotion. When, when, when JT Miller was acquired, there's there's a lot of people that weren't a fan of the move, and just by proxy, just weren't going to be a fan of the player. He's held up his end of the bargain coming into these into this season. He's been one of the most productive players by over 50 points prior to the season than the next closest Canuck player, which was Quinn Hughes for the record. But there's a lot of people that weren't a fan of the transaction, so no matter what JT Miller did, they weren't going to be a fan of. He put up over a point a game, didn't matter, shouldn't have given up a first-round pick, and that's all valid. I get it. I don't know if critiquing the player a certain way is, given that he's been very productive relative to some other Canucks since arriving here. But his six-game start has not been good at all. But it's always just been the tone about JT Miller that people just weren't ready to accept it because they didn't like the transaction. And whatever he did on the ice just didn't matter. Then he signed the contract. 
and now suddenly doesn't really matter. He can say the truth, and it doesn't matter. I'm talking about what he said today. A lot of people seem to be uh, irked with what JT Miller had to say. And I want to play it back for you, because let's really parse through with what JT Miller has said, and I think of how it is being interpreted. So here's what JT Miller said, uh, in specific about some of the fan reaction uh, that happened on Saturday night. I mean, part of this job is being a man and doing your job. So if everybody looks at each other in the mirror and steps up a little bit, you should never feel like you're not going to win. About the fan reaction in the last game? I didn't have one after the game, and I still don't have one. They want to throw their in the ice, it's up to them. Does it leave a mark, though? Does it bother you guys? That happens in a home opener? I, I, I don't know. It's more of the same here. I guess I got a job to do. I'm not worried about if people want to come to the game, pay all that money, and throw their jersey on the ice. Go ahead. I don't. I've got a job to do. Um, I'm worried about beating the Hurricanes today and having a good start to the game and us really trying to come together as a team, not whether people want to toss their gear on the ice or not. That's JT Miller from earlier today. Now, cusses. It's not always a good look. Express your thoughts a bit more positively. Uh, but nevertheless, because he cusses, suddenly it's a big problem. He's not saying your bleep. People for- want to come to the game and throw their possessions on the ice. No, but I mean, he could have said jerseys. But he's not saying your bleep for throwing it on the ice. He's not saying don't throw stuff. So what's the problem? He's it's dismissive, Vic. It's dismissive. That's what people don't like. No, I think people just don't like the, the, the contract, and so they're taking it out on JT Miller. That's true. That's the problem here, for me at least. It's not really dis- – look, he, he's, if, if they're trash a night, he didn't say don't throw it out again. He said, I got to do my job. We all know that to be true. And guess what? He's not doing his job right now. So that doesn't mean that he's saying don't react that way. But it can come across as, I don't really care what the fans think. They can do what they want. I'm here to play hockey. Is that not the truth? He's got to do his job. Fans want to feel like the players kind of care about the fans. He's swearing in media. Like, is that not part of having emotion for this moment? And also, I would say, this is what losing looks like. This is not a guy in a six-game winning streak that's like, eh, whatever happens, happens. This is what losing looks like. That um, that level of emotion, again, I don't think it's channeled correctly, and he probably shouldn't cuss in a media availability. But that's that's him being honest. That's what you want. I encourage the honesty. But this is what losing looks like. And so th- th- this is the thing I don't understand. Like, what's the big problem here? People don't like the transaction. People don't like the contract. People don't like the the direction of the team. And it's getting directed specifically at a player that is a reflection of some of those. But JT Miller signs his deal. Now it's about evaluating with the player. He's not been good enough. He has said that. But this idea that, like, oh, he suddenly doesn't care. That, to me, is, is someone that actually is showing some emotion. Again, it can be channeled better, but... I, I don't necessarily I think he's telling fans not to do something or to do something. I hear that and I say, yeah, that's a guy who's understanding that he's got to be better, that he's got to do his job. By the way, he said, too, earlier this season that he's not critiquing the team because he hasn't been good. So my, my big thing is, like, this is what losing looks like. That's how I, that's how I view this. That is an unhappy guy because this team is Oh, four and two. And I know Jim Rutherford spoke on the idea of rebuilds as well over the weekend. 
So this is what we're signing up for, for a lot of people. People that want long-term rebuilds. Are you prepared for this? Because this isn't 2016 anymore. I think that's an important concept to try to embrace here. People have been shouting for rebuilds. And by the way, you were right. Everyone that wanted rebuilds in 2016, myself, I know the station was a thing, but we need to rebuild for a long time. They should have done it in 2015. They should have done it in 2016. They invested in players like Berchi and Vey and Erickson. I don't need to go the whole list. They gave minutes to Chapu and Granlin and Ben Hutton was playing 25 minutes or 20 minutes. And they invested in 35-year-old players like Daniel and Henrik Sedin, who I've got all the time in the world for, Alex Burrows. And they're trying to maximize what was left of their careers. And we all could sit here and say, what is happening? This is not a coherent plan. But this is not that. This is Elias Patterson exists. Thatcher Demko exists. Quinn Hughes exists on this team. There's way better bones now than there was in 2015, in 2016. Retooling on the fly makes a lot more sense when you have players like that trio. Throw in Vasily Podkolzin. Looks like a player, by the way. Wish he could get more ice time, more regular ice time at the very least. That is different than being hopeful about someone like Berchi and Vey. And I think we get way too caught up in trying to properly assign blame and saying, well, this person was right, instead of trying to work the problem. Work the problem right now. And the problem is they're 0-4-2. They need to start winning with this group. And what JT Miller says or does not say publicly is of little consequence. He's not telling you to not do something. He's not telling you to specifically... Do something to, to sit in your seats and blindly applaud. For him, he's just got to go do his job. That's what he said. He's telling the truth. Let's talk to Brendan Batchelor. who will join us uh, in just a second here. Uh, by the way, we're going to turn the show over to you as well uh, at 3.30 again if you're just jumping in. 650-650, you can get your, your uh, thoughts in all the time. Uh, but at 3.30, we will turn the show over to you, 604-280-0650. If you want to talk about what happened on Saturday, just which direction this team is going in uh, in general, uh, let's talk to Brendan Batchelor now, the voice of the Canucks. You'll hear him later on today on the pregame roundtable at 6 o'clock and also uh, during the game. Batch, how are you? Uh, 6.30 tonight for the pregame roundtable because it's a late start. Sorry, That's yes, 6.30. Uh, so I'll, I'll start in the show here, Batch. Um, you were there in the media availability, grabbing the audio from JT Miller. I heard that and I thought, Hey, what's the problem here? He's telling the truth. It doesn't necessarily come out in the best way, but JT Miller has got to focus on what he's got to do on the ice. He's not telling anybody to not throw things on the ice. It hasn't been good. The standard of play has not been good enough. He's not trying to defend how great they've been, but he's got to be better. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have read into it a lot, and that's sort of what I thought as soon as I heard him say it was, oh, people are going to have fun with this quote. Mm-hmm. But knowing J.T. Miller, knowing the kind of person he is, and how personally he will be taking the way this season has started, not just for the team, but for himself personally as well, that to me is the quote of a competitor saying, you know, you media guys are asking me all these dumb questions about jerseys on the ice. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. The thing I am singularly focused on is trying to help this team win games. 
the rest of it doesn't matter. It's outside noise to me. He always talks to us about how, um, how he never pays attention to social media. Like, you know, he would get questions about, Oh, there've been trade rumors with your name in them. And he was, he's always the guy that's like, really there have, I don't pay attention mm-hmm. to any of that. And it seems genuine to me. It's not performative or he's not pretending that he doesn't care. He just genuinely is focused on hockey. So I can understand why the, the quote would rub sub fans the wrong way, because it does maybe come across as a guy that's saying, I don't care that you're mad that we're losing. But realistically, he doesn't care that you're mad that they're losing because he is mad that they're losing, and he's more focused on that and what he could do to try and help them start winning. And that was the point I was also making. It's like, this is what losing looks like. I, I, I don't know what people want to see. Is it just come in with a smile on your face and say, hey, things are going to get better? Like, you wouldn't be happy with that either. This is what losing looks like. More than anything is frustration, and it comes out through this media availability. But like, this is the reality of losing. Yeah, it is. You know, you go into that room today, and I, you know, it's we're back in the dressing rooms finally uh, after a couple of years not being there, and you can feel the tension in the room, right? You can, there's guys are not chirping and joking and happy like they normally would be. Uh, during a, a, a routine stretch in a season, it's quiet in there, and guys look stern, and guys look focused, and guys are, you know, aware of the fact that they have not won a hockey game to start this year, and that comes across when you actually sit down and, and talk to them, too. You know, none of these guys are happy with how the year has gone. None of them are content with how the year has gone, and you know, JT Miller is one of the more fiery competitors that I've had the, the opportunity to cover. So for that to come across in his media availability didn't surprise me at all. So I, I still don't know if we, uh, I, have you mentally got over what happened Saturday? Like it felt like an out-of-body experience uh, being in the rink on Saturday, uh, especially that last 20 minutes. A, the look, the effort wasn't there and they were... Uh, despondent. Uh, I'm seeing uh, come in 650, 650, and it, it just it, it was just a different reality. How do you think they'll respond going into tonight? They'll play better. I, I guarantee you, they'll play a good game tonight. It may not be enough because it's the Carolina Hurricanes coming in, but it, it would genuinely shock me if we see anything that resembles that third period from the game on Saturday. Um, just because these are pro athletes, right, and they have pride and as much as JT Miller will say he doesn't care that, you know, fans are throwing jerseys on the ice, it affects these players. You mm-hmm. know, Bo Horvat had a quote yesterday saying that he still remembers that the jersey got thrown on that got thrown on the ice last year in you know, early December, right before the, the firings happened, was a Bo Horvat jersey. And he said, you know, that's going to stick with me. So you know, these guys have enough motivation without fans being upset and booing and throwing jerseys because, you know, within that dressing room, they put a lot of pressure on themselves coming into the year to be a successful team, and they haven't had any of those results yet. Uh, so I would expect a, a pretty motivated group that pl- probably plays a pretty good game. And to be honest, and I know Drancer was kind of saying this earlier on these airwaves as well. It kind of feels to me like one of those games that the Canucks could win, even though they have no business winning it. Like that's sort of the vibe that I'm getting right now. And I could be completely wrong in thinking that, but you know, everything, you know, everything has gone wrong for Vancouver. It's the big bad hurricanes coming in. 
Freddie Anderson has amazing career numbers against the Canucks. He's got like a 940 save percentage against them. Whenever you have a game where all of the stats seem to add up to say that one team is going to win, it's the NHL and weird stuff happens. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Canucks come in and, and play with a good effort, if they're either close in this game or closer than people would believe, or maybe just find a way to squeak out a result. Well, the, the the problem is is now we're not going to see Quinn Hughes here week to week, mm-hmm. uh, the, the designation. And I was asked today, I was doing a, a hit on our friends over at uh, 960 in Calgary, and just say how big of a loss this is. And I, I kind of said that there might be better players than Quinn Hughes, like Demko and Patterson when they're going. But I, I think the drop-off when Quinn Hughes is out of the lineup is massively recognized because there are just so many facets of the game that he impacts – that his value might be highest. Uh, when, oh, when, it, yeah, when we look absolutely. tonight, like especially against this team that will skate you to death, uh, they will pressure you as much as they want. I, I think we're really going to see that play out today. Yeah, and that's the one thing that is sort of a big hit to my theory that the Canucks could be competitive in this game tonight is how quickly the blue line drops off when you lose a guy like Quinn Hughes um, and, you know, he's obviously not the only injury they have on the back end right now. But, you know, you look at what, what we think the pairings are going to be tonight, which is OEL Myers, Rathbone Burroughs, Breezebois Shen. And, and all of a sudden, that is a, a blue line that doesn't have the same depth or puck-moving ability uh, as, uh, as a blue line that they were able to ice even a couple of games ago with Quinn Hughes in the lineup. And... You know, the preseason, you don't read into it too much, but I thought there was there was a couple of games where when Hughes wasn't in the lineup, it was very stark to me how much the Canucks struggled to transition the puck up the ice without him. And, you know, how much he is a, a one-man zone exit and zone entry machine. And they really miss that when he's not in the lineup. And especially against a team that works hard, that forechecks hard, that will have the ability to hem you in for long stretches, if you're not able to relieve some of that pressure, they're going to miss him a lot tonight. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they spend stretches where they get hemmed in their own zone for good stretches because the Sabres were able to do it to them on Saturday night, and the Hurricanes are a pretty mean piece of business too. Yeah, I think that's the thing I want to focus on tonight uh, the most is just how they enter, how Carolina enters the zone. Will it be a lot of... Uh, pushing the puck past them and and just trying to harass them for for more turnovers and then just how the Canucks have managed to deal with that and transition out as well. But mm-hmm. look, we, we've talked about it so much. Like the, the the special teams of this team right now, they they that's some way they just have to improve somehow. They're bottom seven in everything right now. Uh, does it look like that they'll work some of the power play out to you? Because I still feel like they're not, they're not generating enough either. Yeah, I think eventually the power play will come through. The The players on that unit are too talented for it not to come together. Uh, you know, it may take until Hughes gets back in the lineup because I'm, I'm not as confident in OEL uh, in that role as I am in Hughes. So that's, you know, there, there's going to be maybe some growing pains aren't the right word, but with OEL there, they're not as smooth. They're not as polished as as they are when Hughes is running the top of the point. Um but make no mistake, they need to start producing on the power play because that's going to make the difference for them in, in some of these games. And, you know, it's, it's especially with the way things went on Saturday, it's easy to sort of get away from the reality of what's happened to this point in the season, which is that 
other than that game against Buffalo, the Canucks have really been in every game. And even against the Sabres, it was a one-goal game going to the third period. So when you're a team that is in every game, special teams win or lose those games for you, right? If, if you're in a tied hockey game or a one-goal hockey game, you being the team that gets the power play goal or being the team that prevents the other team from getting the power play goal makes the difference. And right now, much as it was through the start of last season, the lack of special teams production uh, on either side, whether it's keeping the puck out of their net on the PK or scoring on the PP is costing them games. Uh, So, you know, I still have faith in this power play that with the guys that are on it, They'll get into a groove at some point in the season where they'll go on a stretch and put up some good numbers. And, you know, they still on paper should be a top 10 power play in the NHL. But, you know, as we talked about a whole lot coming into this season about all sorts of facets of the Canucks game, not just the special teams, if that power play starts clicking too late, then it probably doesn't matter. If you continue to bleed losses and not gain points and lose games and fall out of the playoff picture early, then... Who cares if your power play goes 35% in March if you don't have a chance at making the postseason? So they need to try and, and figure things out to the extent that they can you know, at least stop costing this team games and start trying to help them win them instead. Uh, well, they'll try to win tonight uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, again, uh, later start tonight at 7.30. Uh, before we let you go, though, um, just trying to prop up that defense, and, and you tweet out the lines, uh, uh, OEL Myers, Rathbone Burroughs, Breezebois Shen uh, mm-hmm. playing. I, I also look at just the overall team defense. Is, is there something the forward group can do uh, to try to uh, prop them up as well? Yeah, well, I mean, all of these facets of the game are interconnected, right? So if you, as a forward group, establish your forecheck well, manage the puck well, then you're not putting as much weight on your defense, right? Like the defense being bad this season has been magnified because the forwards have managed the puck horrendously and are giving up odd man rushes and are allowing other teams to come back the other way and create chances off their rush and establish their own forecheck and and have more in-zone time uh, in the Canucks end. So if, if you're the Canucks forward group, just be smart with the puck, right? Don't make those bad decisions at the attacking blue line that allow the other team, and especially a fast Carolina team, to come and ram it right back down your throat. Uh, you, you need to help your defensemen out by not putting them in those bad spots. And if you do put them in those bad spots, then you have to understand your assignment coming back into the defensive zone because too many goals have been scored this year by blown coverage where two guys go to one player and leave another player open or, or things like that. And that's not all on the defenseman. We've seen forwards make some of those critical mistakes too, but you don't have to worry about those kind of mistakes. If you manage the puck better up the ice so that you're not on the back foot, always back checking and always spending time in your own end. Batch. Uh, appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll see you tonight at the rink. Sounds good. Thanks, Ben. Brendan Batchelor. Joining us here on the People Show, Bick Nazar, Dominic Shermati here running the show. Uh, you can always be part of the show, which is what we're going to do on the other side. Turn it over to you, 604-280-0650, and also 650-650, Dunbar Lumber, text message inbox. A lot of reaction coming in off the top. Uh, we'll read some of that uh, on the other side, uh, plus uh, set up for the Carolina Hurricanes game on the way here on the People Show.
Welcome back to The People's Show. Get to The People's Picks in just a bit on a Monday nighter. There's been so much happening for the Canucks. Not even going to react to Week 7 in the NFL. Not because uh, Big 6 went 1-4 with the Monday Night Football pending. But nevertheless, we'll uh, do that tomorrow. Power ranks tomorrow as well uh, with Yannick Hansen and Mark Schofield. We're switching up the power ranks, by the way. Uh, traditionally, it was uh, myself and Randy doing uh, five teams each. But we'll start calling the uh, power ranks. Bix's best. Do top ten. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, you could have saved that announcement for tomorrow when we have I'm doing it. The, I'm doing the whole NFL thing right now. I'm just saying there's no NFL talk today. Even though I'd love to take a victory lap about Geno Smith. Four and three. Seattle Seahawks going to the playoffs, Seattle Seahawks. Woo. What a game that was. Expanded playoffs. Cares. They might win the division. They're leading the division. Don't need an ex- extra seed for that. Hey, the Phillies are in the World Series. Seahawks can go to the Super Dominic Bowl. Dominic Schermatti's Phillies are in the World Series? My goodness. It's all going right right now. Uh, unless you're a Canucks fan. It's uh, not going so right right now. Uh, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Uh, getting ready for a game day versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Also, 6th Annual Diwali Night uh, at Rogers Arena tonight. Uh, celebration of the South Asian community. Uh, of course, got the warm-up jerseys, uh, some performances as well. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun tonight for uh, sixth annual Diwali Night presented by Rogers by uh, at Rogers Arena tonight for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, a lot of good reaction coming in. Six fifty, six fifty. Want to get to some of your texts, but I uh, tweeted it out and look, I've uh, shared a lot of thoughts on a six-game losing streak so far, and I said today, you guys deserve more uh, of a runway. Today. So 604-280-0650. If there's anything on your mind, you want to have a dialogue, now's your chance. Sound off. 604-280-0650. Also 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, some reaction talking about what I said about uh, what JT Miller had to say. I didn't have a problem with it. I think a thing I think a lot of people have to realize too is like this is this is what losing is. This could be Elias Pettersson in two years. This could be Thatcher Demko in two years. If this continues, it happened today with JT Miller. might happen down the road with some other high-profile players as well. And that, to me, is a bigger issue than five, six years ago when it was Magna and Chapu and Granlin and everyone playing. Uh, but let's get to the phone line, 604-280-0650. Uh, first one in on the phone line, Uncle Elite. Elite, how are you doing? Good. Uh, long time, Dick. How are you doing, buddy? I'm always, look, I, I, I'm always good. I always appreciate when people ask, but I'm always good. I get to talk to you guys about hockey and sports, so it, it's never a bad time for us. Well, talking about hockey these days, I don't know how good it can be. But anyways, what prompted me to call in today, Dick, is you saying that, uh, you know, with uh, the three young, well, I don't know how much how young they are now, players, you could retool around them. I used to be of that opinion uh, two, three seasons ago. The way things have gone, the mismanagement of this organization right from the top, from Aqualuni, um, the long contracts that they have sent, the signs, the, the trades that they have made, you know, for like uh, Garland, um, OEL, you know, uh, Myers, now, the Myers signing, now this JT Miller signing. I'm of the opinion that you have to blow this up and listen, the objective is not to get into the playoffs. It might be for Aqualuni, not for us, 
but we need to, we want to win the Stanley Cup, right? Okay, so how are we going to do that? There's nothing in the pipeline. Our team is garbage. There's nothing on D. There's nothing coming up. We have a, a great draft coming up this year, okay? It's one of the best drafts, I don't know, in how many years. Um, you've got a generational talent coming up, not only in uh, Bedard, but that Russian kid as well. There are two really good players. I think this is the year where you blow it up, and I would be open to, to trading EP40, to trading Hughes, to trading Demko, just going right down to the bones, um, blow this thing up right to, you know, right to the bones and rebuild it right from the bottom up. And I think we could have a, a contending team within five to six years. I don't see any other way of getting a Stanley Cup now. So, okay, just hang on the line. Again, this is what I wanted, 604-280-0650 if you want to call in, just have a dialogue. So you're already out on 23-year-old players. I am because the fact of the matter is they're not going to be able to do anything alone. There's not a whole lot of support coming up, right? And to win a Stanley Cup, you need a deep team. You need assets that you can trade to retool on the fly to get assets back, um, like Mike Gillis did, you know, with, with, with certain players. Um, we don't have nothing. There's absolutely nothing. You know, this team has been mismanaged, mismanaged for so long. Draft picks have been given away like candy. There's nothing. So what do you need to do? You need to give up something to get something. And these players, unfortunately, uh, EP40 is three years away from UFA. You think he's going to stick around? I highly doubt it. So they're at their peak, peak um, value right now. And I think it wouldn't be uh, out of the realm of possibility for, for us to skin it down to trade these guys and get real tangible, good assets, high-end prospects, high-end draft picks, and really rebuild this team, what we should have been doing, what I've been seeing back from 2014. So my, my problem with of, of relating it back to 2014, 2015, 2016 is, I, I, I know you just said, hey, they had young players. They didn't have young players like this. Like like Bo Horvat, I think I think we can sit here and intelligently say that Elias Pettersson at 21, 22 years old was a different player than Bo Horvat at 22, 21 years old. And I would say Elias Pettersson has reached different heights that Horvat and Besser have not reached, even if they've gotten to 25, 26. That's the problem I have when I say, when, when we hear things of blowing this all up. The, the, the franchise has not had a defenseman like Quinn Hughes at that age range. This is different okay. than 2016. And I feel like nope. we want to get held on to the idea of, hey, I was right back then and I'm still right right now. You have to work this current problem. And this current problem exists with 23-year-old Elias Pettersson and 23-year-old Quinn Hughes. Okay, but you haven't answered my question. What do they have coming up to surround these guys? Sure, but again, my, like my version of retool on the fly, and I've said this many times on, this, on these airwaves, is mm -hmm. like Brock Besser is, is not untouchable. Bo Horvat is not untouchable. Connor Garland's not untouchable. You can hit a lot of pieces of this organization, but I'm not touching 23-year-old players. Like, if, 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 they, if they hang on to these guys for eight years, eight years, that's still a long stretch of time. And Quinn Hughes, by the way, signed till 2027. And, okay, all, and uh, all this losing that you're concerned about, yeah. JT Miller still signed a contract here this offseason. So, well, so this worry of for that amount of money, who wouldn't? Well, look, you can give that amount of money to Elias Pettersson in two years' time. So, the idea that you're worried about something that may or may not happen three years down the line, when money is the biggest indicator of why players will sign, you are you. I feel like you've created a fear for yourself that doesn't necessarily exist. I think I think it does exist. If you look at Bo Horvat, do you, I mean Bo Horvat, he's been through so much losing. You can tell it's and he still wants to sign here. 
He uh, still wants to sign here. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. No, 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 no. Look, there's a different. Like Bo Horvat has said, he wants to be a Vancouver Canuck. There's a difference in the valuation of what he earns and what he should earn. But Bo Horvat has said he wants to be a Vancouver Canuck. Has he not? Well, he has. But does the start of the season change his mind? The, his comments lately have been very, very pointed. Sure, he but if, if tomorrow they gave Bo Horvat fifty-four million dollars, do you think he says no? Well, they can't. They're not in a position to do that. They, they, right? Lily, They absolutely yeah. have cap space to give him the money next year. Okay, they give him money next year, and then what happens when Elias Fredersen comes up? You want to keep them all? How well, they ha- they have thirty nine million dollars available. Okay, and so you talk uh, again. You sign all these guys, and what do you have coming up? You're gonna you're gonna be top end heavy. You no, no, you, you're you're only worried about no, no. We're we're talking about two different things. You're, we're talking about direction of the team, and can they afford these players? Those two guys in particular, they have the money for it. We can dispute that it'll help the team. That's fine. But your idea that they don't want to sign here because the money's not here. The money is available. The the money is available, but I mean, do they do the, some people want money? Some players want money. Some players want to win, right? If, if you look at Elias Pettersson, he signed a very uh, strategic contract. It was just a bridge contract, which basically leads him up to UFA status. He's a competitive guy, and he's made some comments in the past mm-hmm. before his last before his last contract that indicated that he wants to win, right? Yeah, for sure. So, 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 so what? So, you're, you're, you're giving up on three years to assume that it will never get better, and just say, hey, that's fine. We'll we'll find the next Elias Pettersson. Uh, yeah, I am. Because I, I got to admit, when I hear that, I think that's the worst type of competitive mindset. Just well, just give up. Just give up. I think that's the worst well, competitive mindset. Well, well, the, the owner hasn't wanted to give up for the last 10 years. Where 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 have we gotten it? All right, Lily, thank you very much. Thanks for the dialogue. I appreciate that. Then we got more uh, callers on the way, 604-280-0650. Just wanted to uh, let you express your thoughts. Had a good run, and then, uh, look, I, I'm going to ask you what you think. 604-280-0650. Uh, we'll get back into uh, a couple of calls here in just a second. Uh, but got a text as well, because I, I mentioned the JT thing off the top of the show. Marcus and Gibson's uh, texting in 650-650, uh, chiming in. Uh, Bick defending JT Miller is uh, Team JT. I want to be very clear here. Uh, Bick is on Team JT. No surprise there. Always been a bow hater. Can't be one without the other. One's got to go. I don't care who, but those two can't coexist. Again, I want to be very clear. Defending what JT had to say today is not defending JT Miller's play to begin the year. That's not Team JT. He just didn't say anything wrong, and people want to be mad about it. It's like the sentiment from fans now is, well, they can't even lose properly, as if there's some specific way that players have to emote after a loss. This is how, it's 23 different personalities. There's not a specific way everyone is supposed to go. 604-280-0650. Dom, who do we have on the line now? Colton. Colton. What's up, Colton? Have we got him there? Now we're good. Colton. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we're good now. Hey, Vic, first-time caller. i um, listening to you guys for a while here. Just uh, wanted to call in and say that uh, I think it was Uncle Leap that was just uh, yeah. on the phone. I uh, It's the first time. I'm 27, and so I've been watching the Canucks since I was uh, a little kid. I won't count the formative years of, you know, being an expert or anything. I'm far from an expert. But, um, you know, for the last 17 years, I, this is the first time where I really could think of the team. Um you know, so I agree with what Uncle Lee said. Now, I, I did have a question for you because you were saying, you know, you, you're giving up on 23, 24-year-old players there. You know, with Demko being 26, 27, 
when when do you think that this team could be um, um, you know can compete for a Stanley Cup with this core uh, to retool on the fly? Like, are you thinking careers because? The other guys are into their, you know, late mid to late twenties. Colton, the reception kind of dipped. I, I will thank you for the call. I think you were basically asking like, when's the realistic time for this team to uh, compete? And for me, look, NHL rebuilds when done correctly, two, three seasons is max. But I, I think we just get hung up on what retool on the fly means. I, I've sat in this chair for three seasons now, talking about the valuation of someone like Bo Horvat. We, I knew we were going to get to this stage come, come a contract year or going into the final year, and, and this is what this has been all about for me. I, I've had no problem exploring trades. People have been concerned about that when it comes to Bo Horvat for three seasons now. I just think he's a goal-scoring second-line center, and that's exactly what it is. He's one of the best goal scorers in the last 50-some-odd games, and so it makes a lot of sense that he's scored goals, but he hasn't really driven play. He doesn't necessarily make teammates around him better as far as like giving them goal scoring opportunities. His assist totals aren't very high. So like that's an opportunity. Brock Besser, I think we've, we've gone down the runway. They had to sign him to a three-year deal. And now we explore that a little bit, but like that's a trade opportunity. We have to get out of this thing of like the age range defines a player's overall skill set. I think we can intelligently sit here and say Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes are just different players that we saw five, six, seven years ago. And this is a group of players that I would say when they're 26, 27, that you want to build around. The Rangers have done it in three years. Now they they get the benefit of having Adam Fox land right in their laps and Panarin choosing them. That's part of the equation as well. But realistically, NHL rebuild should not take longer than two to three years. 604-280-0650. Dan, calling in. Dan, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I just wanted to firstly speak about the, the jerseys and, and mm-hmm. uh, the pushback against that that I see and hear. Um, you know, speaking to it disrespecting like the Sedins, being a Sedin jersey and that. And I just want to say, from my point of view, it doesn't it has nothing to do with those players. It's about the fans being disrespected themselves for so long by this ownership group and expected to just be fans when there's nothing to be inspired about over the last decade, except just frustration and fans wanting one thing and getting another and Mm -hmm. seeing that there's no plan. Um, And besides that, uh, the other point is um, what I see is the Canucks playing the wrong way on the ice and the coach kind of coming out and saying that and calling them out saying, you know, they're not doing it right. And then scratching garland instead of miller and then preaching about accountability that's him doing the same thing to me that the players you know trying to play finesse game drop passes and all this not protecting the puck he's not being accountable himself and then now we see management talking about the coach and having a bad camp well look who had a terrible summer and i know it was hard for them in the summer but they they still went back on what they were saying they were going to do they had a terrible summer it's like everybody is just passing the buck. What level? And we know ownership. Like ownership is, to me, nothing's going to change until ownership changes. But what level of this organization is doing it right? At any aspect, like goalie coaches maybe, like mm-hmm. any aspect of this organization that's doing things the right way. Thanks, guys, for, for Yeah, 
Dan, thanks a lot for the call. Again, we'll get to a couple more here. 604-280-0650. I'm enjoying this. Maybe we'll do Reaction Mondays uh, more often. Uh, but yeah, like the goaltending department to me has been the gold standard uh, for some time. It was you know, one of the things I talked about when the whole Ian Clark situation was developing and that contract was expiring. Uh, to me, it was like you had to lay it on the line for this. Uh, and someone's proven that they're elite and has provided consistent results, not just for one year, but for decades. Uh, you invest in that. The goaltending department is the the gold standard in the organization. A lot has to happen. And for me, look, Boost Boudreaux has had a lot of success in this in this in this league at the regular season. Some of the decisions through six games to me, I've not been a fan of. But that's not a reflection of his whole career. He's a qualified head coach. They will win games through all of this. More than I think people realize. I think people are expecting like a 55-point season. They'll still get to 75, 80 points. It's just not going to be 90, 95, 98, the idea that they could have made the playoffs. They're, they, they probably won't make the playoffs, and I thought there was a chance that they could. I can process losing naturally. What I don't want to see is tanking, which is what a lot of people have been talking about. People have PTSD I, from last season. Do, people have PTSD from 2011. People have PTSD from the Benning era. I understand that. And there, no, there was a certain expectation last year going into the year. Yes. And, we, and it, the team sure. started horrible. And that's repeating but itself this season. The thing is, you've got to work this problem. This is a new problem that didn't exist in 2014, that didn't exist in 2015, didn't exist in 2016. It's different variables. It's different management. It's different coaches. It's different players. The overarching principle of, hey, you got to rebuild, still is prevalent, but it's a different reality in 2022 than it was in 2016. Subi, 604-280-0650. What's up, Subi? Hey, Vic. Hey. How's it going? Good. Um, for, for a while now, we've needed to bring in young assets, whether draft picks or young pieces. Mm -hmm. And we haven't done that. And this offseason, or even a last trade deadline, we were given an opportunity to trade Miller because, like, where the team was, was it smart to sign him to that long-term deal? We had an opportunity last year, or the year before that, to get out of Beagle and Luis, all these contracts, to create this, because cap space is king, right? With cap space, you can you can get a Bjorn uh, Bjornqvist or a Pacioretty for for peanuts, and still and still gain assets for where the team was. And I understand we have Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, but every single team has some good pieces. Like that's not it's not it's not enough. Even if um, so, still a true rebuild is needed, and shortcuts it won't cut it. And Mr. Aquilini, if you're listening, we need a real rebuild. We can't take any more shortcuts. We've got to get young assets into the um, market. And this, this market is, they really want it. They, they want to see a long-term plan, not just year after year. Maybe we'll make the playoffs, maybe we won't. Mm -hmm. and, and I think they'll take the losing as long as there's a clear plan. Now, the, look, the, that's totally fair. Subi, still on the line? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Right? Again, like the 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 rebuild, like I I totally understand it. I'm sitting here like there are players that should viably be traded, but how deep do you want the cuts to go? And I think that's where I kind of push back for callers, and, and we get it in the inbox of like Hughes has got to go, Demko's got to go, and like re like is is that realistically what we're talking about here? Like how deep do you want it to go? Well, I think it depends on the deal, but I'm not like if some if New Jersey calls us the next day and offers Nemich, Holtz, and a first for Hughes, would you say no? Like it, it all depends on the deal, right? But like you don't want you don't want to trade your really young pieces 
And you can't be worried if they're going to get upset. Like, Nathan McKinnon went through, like, some bad years, right? And he took it on the chin, right? And if players want to leave because they don't, they don't want – the young players want to leave, then, then we got to trade them, right? It's about what's best for the team. No, th- right, but that's fair. But I would also say Colorado yeah. also committed to Nathan McKinnon and went through that phase of trying to build it up around a young player rather than just saying, hey, well, he's 23 years old. We're not going to do this anymore and just move off. And you build it around him rather they than did. saying, what? oh yeah. – Let's 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 just trash everything and start all over again. Well, what they did was they traded Matt Duchesne. Sure, and you who know was, who's the who center was, at a, an age profile that fit when Matt Duchesne was traded? Bo Horvat. No, well, Bo Horvat's a real center, and Mate Miller's not a center. And I could and right, like, no, no, so, look, you're right, but like now, okay, okay, now JT Miller is signed. Like that reality that you're talking about in March, it's over. So so work this problem. That's what I would say. Like, okay, how do you work this right problem? Now, as of right now, what I would personally do is find any deals I can for players who just aren't cutting it right now. And you don't have to get the home run trade, but it's important to bring in assets and, and a bunch of them. Like, we should have, um, what's his name, from Arizona, Gunther. He should be on the, right now on P's wing. You know, like, we should have the, the pieces from uh, Lundqvist should be, should be in the lineup right now. Chittle should be in the lineup right now. as a third-line center, in my opinion. Okay, Subi, thanks like, a lot. Uh, sorry. Uh, good run. I'm just trying to get more people on the line. Appreciate it, Subi. Uh, Glenn, tech, uh, phoning in 604-280-0650. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. What's up? All right. Well, a couple of things. Um, there was a hockey writer during the summertime who said, that Demko's injury would cause him to have a faulty start and maybe even go on further. And I've noticed uh, that he might have had some actual just cause by saying that, that Demko hasn't been the same. I mean, we've made a lot of wrong moves, uh, but those were mostly in the Benning era. Some of them have been happening. I don't, you know, I'm apprehensive to say that Miller was a good signing, but it's, you know, it's yet to be determined. It's only six games into the season. We have a long season ahead of us. I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs, but uh, there's hope. So um, I'm here. I'm here for the, the long haul. I've been a Canucks fan my whole life, so I'm used to losing. So this is, uh, you know, it's a tough season. It's a tough pill to swallow. Every single game, I'm getting more frustrated when I'm watching. But I'm here for them. So I'm still a fan, no matter what. Glenn, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for all the calls. Uh, look, uh, we'll, we'll we'll do this more often. Reaction Monday. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We're running out of, bit, out of time here, so we've got to wrap up. Canuck Central is on the way. Uh, I do want to get to the people's picks, though, uh, for the Monday night football game brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Damian Harris, I'm looking at him tonight. Back in the lineup versus the Chicago Bears. Patriots versus the Bears, by the way. Uh, Damian Harris, 55 yards. It's juiced up a little bit. 2.2. I'm going to take that one with Damian Harris. The other one I like Khalil Herbert. Now, the Bears have said, we talked about this with Danny Kelly on Wednesday, that they're going to ride the hot hand at running back. I'll take that at face value and say, you know who's better? Khalil Herbert's better than David Montgomery. At 50 yards, let's just break one big one, and then you can get and matriculate the rest. 3.5, that one's paying out. 50 yards. And uh, on the Patriots side of the ball, Jacoby Myers, anytime TD. To me, the new uh, most underrated wide receiver in the league, Jacoby Myers. Holding that title. Anytime touchdown, 9.5. I know he historically has not gotten touchdowns, but that's why it's priced at 9.5. Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, it is part of uh, Big Six as well. 
So we're uh, rooting for the Patriots tonight. Uh, that is the People's Picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Good reaction. 604-280-0650. We'll do that more often. Love it when I hear from you guys. Love to hear from you uh, later today as well on the postgame show. Myself, Satyar Shaw, after a Canucks home game against Carolina. What's going to happen tonight? We saw the reaction on Saturday. How is it going to translate to tonight? Could be feisty. Could be nasty. Could be glorious. Maybe they'll win. Get that first one in the win column. We'll see it tonight. Canucks Central on the way. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, Frank Cervelli going to be joining the show he does every Monday on Canuck Central. Back tomorrow on The People Show here on Sportsnet 650.